0: From a tan Sierra just outside of Brainerd, it's the DigiGuys. Well, they've never done this before, but seeing as it's special circumstances and all, they can knock $100 off of that true coat. It's Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, what a cool intro. Oh, that true coat. Hey, uh, Corey, who was that? That was Shot Out of the Wood Chipper by Lorenzo Rafa. Uh, thank you, Lorenzo. Cool reference.
1: Lorenzo Rafa.
0: Yes. So uh, I forgot to ask you last week. How was New York?
1: It was good. I spent yeah. five days with my – thank you for asking. Yes. Three weeks after I returned. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Wade, caring friend, 25 <laughs> years.
1: Fantastic. Um, I spent five days with my girlfriend. Yes. Now, as you know, I am dating a woman who lives in, in Paris. Yes. Now, I met her in 2004 at the Cannes Film Festival. Yep. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you – I'll tell you and the listeners because you know, I'm very honest about dating online yeah. and all the, the, the horrible stories I have. This is a 12-year odyssey that I will distill to about 30 seconds. Yeah. Met her in 2004 at Cannes, right? Uh, thought she was cute, but nothing happened, right? Right. She wound up coming to um, Los Angeles in 2005 because she is very good friends with Michael Dana. The film composer. And so in 2005, she wound up staying with me. And uh, we had a very nice time. A very nice adult time. Uh Then I went to Paris in 2006. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. My birthday. Mm -hmm. I go to Paris, and it's unbelievable. Wow. Greatest time ever. I love this girl. She's fantastic. Amazing. But she had already started dating a guy. And even though she was in love with me, she felt as if she had to continue with the guy she was already dating. So, brokenhearted, in 2006, I returned to uh, Los Angeles. And then for the next 10 years, we communicated only by email. Checking in with my, with my good buddy who I met in Cannes. She's checking in with her good buddy who she, you know, he, she met in Cannes. 10 years, she's got the boyfriend, she has a daughter, and she breaks up with all this over 10 years only on email. And then I decide uh, a few months ago to go to uh, Paris again. Mm-hmm. First time in 10 years. Yep. Haven't seen her in 10 years. I get there in Paris, it's on. A r- yep. r- rocket ship to the moon. So fantastic. So we decided to have a long distance relationship. So she was in LA in August. We met in New York uh, a couple weeks ago. I'll be in Paris in January, and we are going to attempt to hope for a miracle that we can be together.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant,
1: brilliant, or stupid and well, foolhardy.
0: You know, go for it. Thank That's you. what I say. Go for it. Right, governor. All right. Well, let's let's dive in. We're gonna we're gonna be get, get, getting inundated here with screeners pretty soon. So let's uh, let's delve through all of this stuff, and then um, you know, next week will be the uh, the big uh, holiday shindig, right? The big next week's the big holiday show.
1: You better yeah. give me one. You better give me one of those holiday packages. You never do. Oh sure! No, you never give me one of the holiday. You always you, well, you give the holiday package. Hey, wait! Can I get the? Can, can I get the uh, the box there's set not, of uh,
0: <laughs> There's some <laughs> crap ass show we, you'll never watch. We have some. Uh, we actually have some giveaways. We have some giveaway stuff.
1: We're giving stuff away for We're the. Giving uh, stuff away? Uh, you Giving yeah. anything to me?
0: Uh, maybe, maybe I'll give you something. Maybe wow. I'll give you a gift. Maybe I'll wrap it up with a little pink bow and
1: give <laughs> me the nuts. Is that yeah. my is that, is that
0: the gift? Uh, or something like that.
1: All right, start, start saying. So,
0: yes, yeah, so uh, you know what? Uh, interesting I'm timing the show, by the way. Thank you. Into the Badlands. Are you have you been following Into the Badlands?
1: Uh, I have not. This Although song. Badlands, you gotta live them every day. Let AMC. your broken heart stand for the price you gotta pay. Keep pushing till it's understood, yeah. and those bad lands start treating you good.
0: So this is like many centuries in the future, post-apocalyptic thing. Uh, this is shot in the UK, and it's very, uh, but it's got like a you know a mixed Caucasian and Asian cast, and it's very uh, kung fu y and very Hong Kong, and it's uh, it's cool. It's really super cool. And uh, Daniel Wu is the uh, is the guy who anchors this cast. Really, really, really cool. And uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, like a Hong Kong martial artsy Mad Maxy thing shot in the UK. It's really cool. And uh, the only reason that uh, this even came across my radar originally, and this is the first season. It doesn't say first season, but it got a second season, is because uh, Sherman Augustus, Tim's very good friend and mine, uh, Sherman was cast in the second season. So Tim and I were skyping with him. Uh, few weeks ago when he was talking about, you know, all of his action stuff with Master Didi choreographing this, that, and the other thing. It was pretty cool. So uh, it sounds like the second season is going to be even more just kick butt. But anyway, Into the Badlands... A a full-blown post-apocalyptic martial arts spectacular from the U.K., and it is absolutely fantastic. It's really, really good. Uh, Lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, mainly in how the action was all put together. Uh, Really, really very cool. Uh, you got to check this out. This is on Blu-ray from Anchor Bay with an ultraviolet uh, digital copy on it. Super fantastic. Great artwork. How about that? You like that big red, and he's got the blades and the whole thing? Yeah, it's a little uh,
1: martial-arty. It's
0: good. It's all cool. Very super cool. And then uh, if you're a fan of Anne of Green Gables... Uh, well, boy, I have a treat for you, boy Mark Kaiser. You love Anne of Green Gables, you know you what? Are, you are all over that, aren't you? The only
1: part, the only people who love Anne of Green Gables more than me are our listeners. They love Anne of Green. They Gables. do, right? Oh yeah.
0: So this is a new Anne of Green Gables with Martin Sheen. Uh, he does not play Anne. I just want to make that clear. And uh, the uh, this is uh, from on PBS, and it's it, totally worthy of all previous Anne of Green Gables. Uh, it doesn't really transcend it, but it's uh, for a new generation. It's a lot of fun. This was a Canadian production, of course. They're the ones that really, really love this. It, is, it belongs to them. It all takes place in 1907 on Prince Edward Island. And uh, so, you know, we, we owe the Canadians uh, another good Anne of Green Gables. And uh, Martin Sheen is perfectly wonderful in this as well. Ella Ballantyne stars along with Sarah Botsford. Uh, it's good stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, you, uh, the, those things.
1: Do we love Paul Giamatti enough to watch him in Billions?
0: Ah, boy, that's a good question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's all about uh, high finance in New York, and uh, I do love uh, Giamatti, and he definitely gets to just uh, snarl and be his sinister best as an attorney. I think he's a a U.S. attorney. And, uh, yeah, also starring in this is uh, Damian Lewis, who kind of had a moment there, and and now I feel like the moment's over. Yeah, I agree. It seems like he could have like gone on to do big movies. He, well, and... he
0: still he's still considered kind of a semi front runner to be uh, a James Bond, right? Really? Isn't he, sort of. I did not know that. Yeah, I think he was. Idris
1: Elba. Idris Elba. Idris, nah, Idris Elba. He's, he's, he's too old now.
0: What? He is too old. How dare you? He's the same age as Daniel Craig. They're not gonna replace (laughs) Daniel Craig with a guy who's the same age and Daniel Craig's like, everything hurts on me. (laughs) I think I mean I think Idris is flattered just to be part of the conversation, but he's you know, if he were if he were ten years younger, I think that would be a legitimate Right discussion. He's but, awesome.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I skimmed the show. I did not see all of it, but the Blu-ray looks great. And there's, uh, you know, look, it, it moves fast. There's a, it's, it's got some wit to it. It's a, definitely a smart show. It's not stupid. It doesn't play down to everybody. And that's kind of a nice thing. Um, everything's kind of, it's a bit over the top. You know, a bit like, almost like a, almost like a, uh, imagine like a nighttime soap. Yep. On, you know, on pay cable is kind mm-hmm. of what it's about. So you kind of have to get into that whole vibe. Right. On. But uh, I thought I thought it was kind of okay. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to watch the whole thing, but uh, I thought it was okay.
0: Right on. And then uh, Helen Wheels uh, from AMC. Helen Wheels? I know her. That's right. Hell on Wheels, also from AMC. Season 5, Volume 2, the final episodes. Don't know why it came to this, uh, but there it is. So they, they have to wrap it out with this very lackluster second half of the final season. Should have been the whole final season. Anyway, a lot of good performances here, especially Culmini. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's, uh, this has been fine. The whole, you know, it, it never really felt like a true Western, to be honest. The whole thing with the, with the railroad backdrop, you know, creating the, uh, the, the, the railroad, the first transcontinental railroad. But uh, I, I, I like the overall vibe, even though it's not a pure Western vibe. And uh, the show goes out with a relative kind of a bang. Also, by the way, shot in Canada
1: aim Canada.
0: All right, uh, Mark, let's talk about new movies. Let's talk about new movies. Fort Tilden. Uh, this was a, kind of a thing at South by Southwest. Uh, I, I really struggled. I struggled. I, I gave it my best. I really tried. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't these movies anymore. I can't, I can't. Uh, Fort Tilden is, of course, the, uh, you, you should know Fort Tilden. You've been to Fort Tilden, haven't you? When you I were a kid or something, haven't you? Where's Port Tilden? It's uh It's part of New York City. The Peter Children. It's a. It's a. In, you know, it's where they uh, everybody kind of goes on the goes to the ocean over by New York. It's a. Uh, uh, you know what the uh, some it, it, seaside New Yorky place. You know what?
1: I have to say this, and I I, I I remember this as a kid, and I still think it now. The beaches in New York are disgusting.
0: Okay. Well, they're not the is.
1: beaches in California or okay. Hawaii or anywhere else. They're, they're horrible.
0: All right. So well, anyway uh this is a couple of women uh two friends just uh you know kind of trying to find themselves and forge the rest of their lives and uh spending an afternoon in Fort Tilden while they're doing it and and uh, various things happen that really make no sense and it it just it feels really drawn out and uh I just I I don't see the point. I don't know how these movies get funding. I really don't. It's just let's take a couple of men in Fort Tilden and have them talk about life and do nothing. I don't get it, but it got it got some love. It got festival love. So written and directed by Sarah Violet Bliss and Charles Rogers. I I guess I guess they're tapping into something that I'm not. So whatever. There it is. And then we also have uh, this thing Army of One, uh, which. I I just, I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, Larry Charles, who directed Borat, by the way, uh, directs this, and it is... uh, This thing did not get a, uh, a real theatrical release for a litany of reasons, and that's a little bit shocking because it is, again, directed by Larry Charles, and it stars Russell Brand and Nicolas Cage, and you would think... Okay, well, isn't that enough? No, not really. Um, Nicholas Cage, and I- this is loosely based in fact, and I don't know how much fact there is. I can't imagine this very much. But the idea is that Nicolas Cage is this, uh, this kind of uh, derelict ex-con guy who decides that he's going to capture Osama bin Laden all by himself. And I vaguely remember a guy being being captured at an airport somewhere and he was carrying a sword and he was on his way to go get Osama bin Laden. That's the story this is based on. I don't remember any other details of that. But what's weird is that Russell Brand plays God and gives this guy his instruction to go do this. And that's where this really just kind of gets unhinged. Uh, it's just not – it's not – I don't know. Weinstein made a good decision, I think, not to really do anything with this. Um,
1: well, you know, but n- why they, was it
0: funded in the first place? I just can't – I just don't get it.
1: Because Nicolas Cage, he works international. You know, he, it's good. It's Russell Brand yeah. Nicolas Cage, those are two good names for international sales.
0: All right. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: So um, it's funny about uh, Daniel Radcliffe because uh, I think the same thing about um, – what's his name from the – the, the uh, what's it called? The, um, Lord of the Rings film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. those guys are so rich now they don't have to work anymore, right? right. So it's very interesting yeah. when you get a sense of like what films they decide to do now that they're young and rich and don't have to work anymore. They can just like go party and club for the rest of their lives. Daniel Radcliffe has been starring in a couple of interesting films. And one of them is this thing called um, Imperium. And it co-stars uh, Tony Collette. And in the film, uh, it's based on this former FBI special agent, um, and uh, there's a right-wing terrorist group in Virginia. And um, Radcliffe has to help bring it down. And Coney Collette plays his boss. And so to kind of get into it, this uh, this FBI agent, he shaves his head. He goes undercover and is you know, racist, neo-Nazis. And in this uh, movie is an actor who I absolutely love, Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts gave probably one of the best performances on Broadway I've ever seen. He won a, uh, a Tony Ford when he played uh, – he starred in uh, the revival of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He is so incredibly commanding as an actor, and he's great in this too. He plays a talk show host. So um, this – it seems – you kind of look at it and you go, eh, this is kind of stupid, right? But it's really not that bad. Imperium with Daniel Radcliffe, Tony Collette, and uh, one of my personal favorites, Tracy Letts.
0: Very nice. So we got a new kickboxer, Mark. Did you know that? Kickboxer Vengeance. Hang on.
1: Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I have, yeah. I, I, I have a reaction to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a new kickboxer. It's a remake of the original kickboxer. just want everybody to know that. Kickboxer Vengeance, same story. You know, two brothers. One of them dies in a really brutal fight, and the other one says, I will avenge you, and then trains with a guy and becomes uh, really badass and and avenges his brother. So there we go. Uh, that's the deal. Um the the interesting thing about this is that they connect it to the original by bringing van damme back van damme does not play the avenging brother here uh he plays the guy who teaches the avenging brother uh directed by john stockwell who's a real solid uh um uh, director for action material He's always done really good stuff so john stockwell not a problem script kind of a problem acting really a problem van damme believe it or not is really really good Um, it's the people who just are not necessarily uh, actors who are kind of a problem, Uh, mainly like, you know, George St. Pierre, who's who's a mixed martial arts guy. Not an actor. Uh, Gina Carano, believe it or not despite being a mixed martial arts fighter, is still really good. Gina Carano has a huge future. I like her a lot. She is the best thing about this. Um, so anyway, that is from uh, RLJ Entertainment on Blu-ray. I uh, Yeah, you know what? If you, if you like the kickboxer movies, this is maybe the best one since the first. Not perfect, got all kinds of problems, but uh, some good action if you can just overlook the, uh, overlook the acting.
1: How dare you?
0: And then, oh, Cardboard Boxer, uh, Terrence Howard and Thomas Hayden Church in a uh, Wellgo release, which is um, um, perfectly fine. A, It's a little weird. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church plays a homeless guy uh, and um, – mm-hmm. You know, it's a little tough to buy him as a homeless guy. Thomas Hayden Church, right? Doesn't really. Yeah, what happened to that guy? I don't know. I, I just whenever actors like name actors and good-looking actors and people who are clearly not starving and not filthy try to sort of ding themselves up and play homeless, it never quite works for me. I don't. I don't hold it against the actors. I get why they want to do it, but it just. I don't know. It always feels a little bit glossed over. Okay, uh, it's Thomas
1: Hayden Church. What? What else is? What? What else is on know. his dance card? Yeah, Nothing. that's
0: true anyway uh so the the idea here is that it's this is basically like a fight club for homeless people i don't know that's that's but, what it is fight. Do you remember bum, do you bum remember, I do, remember yeah. Bump fights? Yeah, that's well. Folks that's, look it up bum fights for yeah, a moment. Well, bump fights was like that. This is a dramatization of that. A bump fights. That's what okay. it is. So anyway, but I you know, it's supposed to be like heart wrenching and gut wrenching, and uh, Terrence Howard is fine and, and Thomas Hayden Church gives it a good shot, but I don't know. It's it's okay, it's fine, it's decent. Um, but uh, you know, probably more a rental than anything else. Uh directing debut for the director. Uh Nate Lee. So K N A T E. We'll see where that goes.
1: Well, wait. Let me tell you something. Killian Murphy and Jamie Dornan star in Anthropoid. Oh, I know what you're saying.
0: Nowhere. Anthropoid. I thought this was like a thing for a moment.
1: It's a science fiction film about an alien race of multi-legged creatures called the Anthropoids. No, it's it's not. No. It's a World War II movie. This is a World War II movie. This is actually <laughs> based, this is a true story. Yeah, I know. Based on Operation Anthropoid, and it's about uh, these two Czechoslovakian soldiers, uh, played by Murphy and Dornan, who have a very special uh, mission. They are tasked, tasked, you know, every time I say that, okay, say the word tasked. Tasked. T-A-S-K-E-D, say that. Tasked. That right. Tasked. Mm-hmm. I almost said it there. They are tasked with dropping it to a... Mm-hmm. Czechoslovakia and mm-hmm. uh, assassinating uh, Reinhard Heinrich, who was uh, like the number three in command. He was yeah. kind of the architect of the Final Solution in real life. Yeah, no. I guess. So it's based on a true story.
0: It's just it didn't. It's just not a very exciting movie.
1: Yes. Now, what I like about what I like about this this very dramatic uh, a true story based on a you know a, a, you know assassination attempt has to deal with the Holocaust. I really love this part, Wade. Wade, read this off the box. Now, don't forget, true story, final solution, assassination, Holocaust. This is dramatic stuff. This is serious stuff. So, read the bottom there.
0: Oh, uh, you mean the the tagline or the... No, the uh, the green thing. The green thing. Includes digital download, plays on your mobile devices. So, I want to
1: watch the assassination of the man, the architect of the final solution on my my Samsung 7.
0: Of course. Why not? Terrible. Why not?
1: Anyway, so uh, this movie, as you say, didn't go anywhere. I, I feel about this film the way I feel it felt about Valkyrie, which is I would rather see a documentary about the same story than see this. But um, yeah. There was a moment where, as Wade says, where people thought, oh, my God, this is going to be like a great thing, a historical drama and decent cast. And, but, uh, you know, it just, it's, there's a whole lot of cliches in here. And I mm-hmm. just think that the, the whole movie style was off-putting. It's shot in widescreen which is fine, but almost all the shots are handheld, and it looks all wobbly and strange. Uh, so I'd pass on Anthropoid. Although if they want to make a movie about a race of aliens, multi-legged aliens that look like insects and invade Earth, they should consider calling it Anthropoid. Yes.
0: Like this movie. Uh, Morris from America one screenplay at uh, at uh, Sundance. Uh, I like the ta- <laughs> I like the tagline for for Morris from America. Uh, read the tagline, Mark. Morris from America. Oh the, uh, the
1: tagline is um, plays on your no. mobile device. Oh, no. that was the other read one. Read the tagline. Morris from America, nothing rhymes with Germany.
0: <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, this is really quite a funny film. Well, uh, uh, what's
1: his name? Well, Craig Robinson. Yeah, Craig uh, that Robinson. That guy's hilarious.
0: Yeah, Craig Robinson and Marquise Christmas are the uh, are the stars here. Craig Robinson, really one of the best deadpan comic actors around, very very funny. Uh, but the uh, the subject here is the uh, is Monk Marquise Christmas, who is this thirteen year old kid who, with his dad played by Craig Robinson, uh, have just relocated to Germany. And um, as if that isn't enough of a fish out of water thing. His dad thinks that he is like this major rap star, and uh, it just the the whole thing just becomes insanely bizarre and funny and uh, and strangely touching. And it really uh, it goes in all kinds of unpredictable directions. It's a very very smart script, and I, I think it's a it's a really wonderful movie. Uh, Morris from America will probably be in the mix for some awards. I think if people are willing to bend their perception a little bit, that's on Blu-ray along with Ultraviolet. Um mark sea of trees oh my gosh i know sea of trees or what 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 happens what happens to a director when they just go completely off the rails i mean uh gus van sant has been like all over the map for at least a decade He's just. It is true. I feel like
1: he's in that weird, like, late second, early third act. And he doesn't wins, know
0: what to do. He wins the Palme d'Or with Elephant, and then he just starts going completely off the rails, trying to do all these very strange, Bellatar like, slow things. And uh,
1: It seemed like a Terrence Malick thing. That was my.
0: Yeah, It, it just it, it's just very odd. It's a really weird movie. Um. It, it, it should have done better. They really dumped this, by the way. You know, this thing was released on, like, two screens and went nowhere. It just got so panned out of festivals, they didn't even try. They just really let it die. Lionsgate did. Uh, it's essentially Matthew McConaughey, Naomi Watts, two great directors, you would think, with Gus Van Sant directing them. Uh, there's something to go through. It's basically – it's it's just two people wandering through a forest. And, uh, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a a there's a thing that – this all centers on that leads them into the forest. Yes, there's a thing. But otherwise it's just this completely existential, meandering, rambling thing. It's a remake of a Japanese film. Uh and uh I'm I've never seen the Japanese film, and I have no idea if it's anything like this, but boy, what a what a strange what a strange, misbegotten, stillborn thing this is. Uh also in Blu-ray with uh ultraviolet. Wade,
1: uh <laughs> Hollywood could always use a fascinating, exciting new director, don't you think?
0: Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, hopefully. Especially
1: maybe. if he used to be an executive.
0: Uh-oh. Like James Seamus. Oh, uh, well, yeah. That's right. He's Sheamus is a man. See, C- he He's a man. He's a, he's a dude.
1: The uh, CEO of Focus Features. A uh, right? long
0: longtime collaborator of Ang Lee.
1: That's right. Yep. He uh, has finally directed a film. And it's quite a good film. Indignation. Now, Philip Roth, this is based on the Philip Roth novel, and Philip Roth is just stubbornly hard to... Um, Adapt, and uh, there's just so many layers to his books, and it's just it's it's really proven impossible to make a decent Philip Roth film. But I have to say that uh, this one uh, is uh, one of the better ones. Um, it's about a uh, this kid who grew up in New Jersey, and he's Jewish, and he's working class, but he winds up at this conservative college in Ohio, where he falls in love with uh, with one of his classmates. And so, you know, this, you know, so it's all about like the working class Jewish kid from Jersey versus like, you know, the beautiful classmate who's from a, uh, the, the other side of the tracks. And, uh, it's good, you know, which which shame it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, he's seen all these filmmakers make their films, right? And he's dreamed of doing it himself. So what is he taking from each filmmaker that he has worked with and seen? What does he take from Ang Lee? What does he take from all the filmmakers that he, the directors that he worked with in, in, uh, doing stuff for Focus? And there are moments when the movie's a little bit heavy-handed, you know. And I get that, but it's it looks beautiful. It's very mature. It's one of the best um, Philip Roth uh, adaptations you'll ever see. It's not a huge film. It's like just it's like a little period piece, you know, whatever. But uh, it's just it looks really nice. It takes place in the in the early fifties, and uh, it gets the, the the look of academia just right. I didn't say macadamia way, I said academia. I know,
0: I wasn't going to make that it fun. it out there.
1: So I have to say that um, Indignation, even if the movie's not your uh, cup of tea, it's nice to say that James Seamus is definitely a is director. It? He is. And I hope that, um, that this exquisite little piece is not forgotten.
0: I agree. No, you don't. Uh, all right, we're into classic movies now, or, or relatively classic. Uh, recent classics. You know what's out on 4K Ultra HD with HDR, Mark? Star Wars. The complete uh, Hunger Games. It is out. All four films, uh, and how does it look? Pasty, 4K, pasty looking. Uh, the, really? Yeah, pasty looking. You know, I was not a fan of the first film. I became more of a fan as it went along. I just thought the uh, I thought the shaky cam in the first film, the corners that they cut, were just it was an ugly movie, and it's it's ugly in 4K too. I I just it's. And the effects don't don't survive well on. Um, they just look when you when you move CGI to higher resolution and you you make it a little bit too obvious in the home environment. It really starts to look like paste and clay. It doesn't uh, it, it doesn't look good. So I mean, sure, it, it, you know, if you want to double dip and get that higher resolution, the HDR, and it, you know, if you want that crispness, but I don't know that it. I don't know that it's. This is not state of the art uh, 4K at this point. No. I hate to say no.
1: Are they, uh, Is the uh, is the transfer monkey not doing his job? Transfer
0: monkey's not. Re- I it's just I don't think the source mater- I don't think it's there in the source material. Really? I, yeah, I just don't. I just don't think the. Uh, I don't think special effects are high high quality enough. I don't. I really don't.
1: Wait, Criterion. They got a movie out. Yeah. Punch drunk love which is quite a good film.
0: I love this film. I, I love this, this film. This uh, is Adam's, why can't Adam Sandler be this person again? Why can't he do this I know.
1: again? I saw this at the Cannes Film Festival, 2002, and I enjoyed it very much. And uh, where this fits in Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, CV is this one came after Boogie Nights, which, of course, was the, just that... Nuclear explosion that just you know announced his arrival, yeah. and Magnolia, which I thought was just unbelievably, fantastically brilliant. This one is almost like a little bit of a sweet little palate cleanser, based on you know when compared to those two. And uh, I just thought it was really a cool little, interesting love story. Sandler plays a guy who sells novelty toilet plungers in the San Fernando Valley, which yep. is where we are sitting right now, recording this podcast. Um, he meets this woman named
0: Lena. Misfit love story, is what this is. And so what, I, I love misfit love stories. Um, some of them are more serious than others. This has just the right combination of comedy and uh, pathos and and quirkiness. It's really really good. And and Emily uh, Watson. Watson is fantastic. And Philip
1: Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Right, It's got a great score by John yeah.
0: Bryan who does all of P.T. Um, Anderson's films.
1: And uh, I just think it's, this thing is just fantastic. It's great filmmaking. It, th- this is really Anderson where you feel like he is in total command of what he wants. He's in total command of totally. tone. And it's really know? well thought out. It's, yes.
0: it's a really well thought out thing. Yeah. So there you go.
1: So, it's very highly recommended.
0: Excellent. We also have the uh, Rush Hour trilogy finally on Blu-ray. Oh my God! Yep, right. Look, but look at the artwork. Is that great artwork? They went you know and special artwork. What, done no, for this.
1: you know what? There, okay, guys, there, there's this better than the Star
0: there, Trek Wrath of Khan artwork by far.
1: That, that that the cartoon artwork trend yeah. is has hit Star Trek Wrath of Khan, which yeah. is terrible, and they're doing the same thing for Rush Hour. But, but I, you know, I, I don't like it because that's got to live forever, man. That's got to be so good, live forever.
0: Have you noticed how it's possessory now? Look what's printed on on it.
1: Brett Ratner's?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now he gets a possessory credit because he's, you know, with Rat Pack and he can make demands like that. So it's Mm -hmm. Brett Ratner's Rush Hour trilogy. That's how they're doing this. It's horrible. Anyway, uh, all three films, really good transfers. Commentary by Ratner, which you can forget about. There's really nothing there. He he, he just kind of rambles. Uh, Extra scenes, featurettes. Uh, but other you know and a bonus disc with uh, kind of the you know the, the obligatory look back stuff, which is fine it 's not not great, so extras are not really the selling point here, but the um, you know the 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 mondo artwork is fine, and uh, the uh, transfers are really good. Um, I did spend a couple of days on uh, the set of uh, of uh, rush hour two was it yes. two was it three it was two i can 't even remember which one it was anyway um, that was very telling. That was really interesting. Downtown L.A. That was, uh, it was uh, good, good times. I think it was 2 pretty sure it was two. Shows you where my head is these days. Anyway.
1: Don Coscarelli in 2002 directed a film called Bubba Hotep. And I like this film. This film has its fans, of which I am kind of one. This uh, stars Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis in uh, the movie, which is not a documentary. Bruce Campbell plays a uh, an old and angry Elvis Presley. And uh, he is in a Texas retirement home, and he, when a 3,000-year-old when Egyptian mummy comes back to life, he's got to get medieval on him.
0: Right on. It's funny. Seriously, right on, I say.
1: Audio commentary with the author. Yep. New interviews with Coscarelli and uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, there's an older audio commentary with Coscarelli and Bruce Campbell. There's another audio commentary by, quote-unquote, the king, the Elvis guy that he plays in the movie. And uh, yeah, this is fun stuff. I have to say, Bruce Campbell's made a weird—he's uh, had a weird culty career—and this is one of the better moments of it. Uh, Baba Hotep.
0: Uh, so we've got a lot of great stuff from Kino this week. Uh, we haven't had a Kino segment in quite a while. Boom! Lots of Kino. A really, really cool uh, French language film from the director Andre Andre Zulowski Andre Zulowski, however you want to pronounce it. I always hit a speed bump with Polish names, uh, but uh, what a fascinating movie this is! Cosmos, this is uh, Zulawski's very, very final film. If you are familiar with his other movies, you understand exactly what you're getting into. It is uh, it, these th- his films are very kind of um, hallucinatory and ironic, which goes with that kind of that. Thing that you get in Polish films a lot. They sort of uh, going all the way back to uh, even the the seventies. I think Polish films just sort of took a very bitterly ironic look at life. In any case, the uh, the story here is essentially. I don't, I don't want to call it a. It's like a. It's one of those existential coming to grips movies uh, about a guy who's failed the bar exam and um, the, he and a and his uh, his buddy. Uh, wind up at a guest house run by S- Sabina Azema, the French actress, who here is paralyzed. And from there, everything turns kind of surreal and weird and um, life-reflexive. And um, the question, you, you start getting in all of those usual existential questions about life and love and what's real and what isn't. And it's a, it's a really unusual and very cool movie, very much in keeping with the other things that uh, Zulavsky has made. It's called Cosmos, and this comes in that uh, really cool black ca- packaging that uh, they put onto uh, their really cool um, uh, foreign language films every once in a while over at Kino. So it's really cool stuff. Here's the rest of our, our Kino uh, Classics line this week. A lot of great old movies. I wake up screaming with Betty Grable and Victor Mature uh fun movie totally cheesy from 1941 uh it's a you know this is not one of the great noirs but it's a it's a solid and very fun noir and uh, as has a great commentary by Eddie Muller, a film noir historian, along with an alternate opening title sequence, which is really kind of fun. Uh, I, I just think this film is really a lot of fun. It doesn't make any sense, but uh, it's not a great script. But it's just – it's done with such panache and such <laughs> such verve. You've got to love it. Is it. How
1: about Brio? Brio.
0: There's another critic word. I hate that Ar- word. Armand <laughs> Sante. I b-
1: Okay, here's what I, here's what I hate. Yeah. I hate two things. I hate whenever a critic uses the word Brio. Mm -hmm. I also hate in
0: music. You hate Brie too, don't you? I love Brie. Uh, In music, Mm -hmm.
1: whenever there's a pop song or a rock song, and by the way, the the Who have done this, and Mm -hmm. it's made me very angry. But I will automatically dismiss any rock song or pop song that tries to rhyme the word change with the word rearrange. No, you get that a lot in rock. I know you do. Like you know, there's going to be a change, and my life's going to rearrange, like right. that kind of thing. Yeah, and the who, and the, even the who, they've done that before. I, and I hate that. It's such, a, it's it's just like the lamest. It's rhymes. like night and
0: tonight, Ugh. Or, or right, right stop, and tonight. Stop yeah. doing that. Armin Asante in "I, the Jury" plays Mike Hammer, uh, remake of the uh, previous Mickey Spillane uh, thriller. Uh, you know what? It's this is this is uh, Mickey Spillane and Mike Hammer done 1980s style, so it has a little bit of a. Uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know, a Michael Mann, Miami Vice vibe to it a little bit. Um, we keep talking about Larry Cohen here. Larry Cohen wrote this thing. We talked about him last week. Larry Cohen. Uh, great sporting performances. Alan King, Jeffrey Lewis, uh, Barbara Carrera, of course. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Richard Heffron directed, uh, rock solid director, and uh, can't, really, can't really fault this too much. It, uh, the 80s vibe to it really uh, works very nicely. We also have Western Union, one of Fritz Lang's American films. This is a, uh, a Robert Young, Randolph Scott Western. Fritz Lang, not really in top form, doing a very workmanlike job, clearly would rather be making uh, you know, German uh, science fiction films. Uh, pr- preferably silent ones but uh, otherwise a very very solid movie just not if you're a Fritz Lang fan uh, but a decent decent cast Dean Jagger shows up in this as well who is also a big guy in the genre The House on 92nd Street another uh, classic noir this is uh, directed by Henry Hathaway um, not, a, uh, not one that really shows up on anybody's 10 best list, but it always shows up on everybody's favorite noir list somewhere. Eddie Mueller, a, a film noir historian who does a lot of these for uh, Kino, also does a commentary here, very solid commentary, very informative, lots of interesting uh, insights and tidbits. Uh, this was uh, directed, by, again, by Henry Hathaway, who was mostly a Western director, but also could uh, swap over to noir with great aplomb, as they often say. Gene Lockhart, and uh, William Post, also co-star in this, alongside uh, Lloyd Nolan and uh, William Eyre, uh, William Eighth. So it's a good film. House on 92nd Street, solid noir. Boomerang, another great noir. Uh, this was a Daryl Zanuck production with Dana Andrews. And uh, this is just terrific, and mainly terrific because it's directed by Ilya Kazan. And I am a big Ilya Kazan fan. Just had a discussion with Ray the other day. Ray is so unforgiving of Kazan. Oh, he he named names. It's like you know what honestly I he, he, I he, I don't care if he like you know burned virgins in a in a in a, a, a volcano I'm sorry it's a good movie. You know what I mean? It's a good movie. It,
1: it, it's it's funny how we decide who to forgive. We've, do we yeah. do we forgive Woody Allen or do we forgive, you know, the, uh Ilya Kazan. It's
0: a good film. So do we uh, forgive Nate Parker? Do we you know it's like this all is, that the thing about it is uh, when Ilya Kazan makes, uh, makes a noir, it, like, transcends noir. It becomes, like, one of the it, it, – it's, you know, I mean, it's almost too sophisticated for noir. It's too well-acted for noir. It's uh, it's more character-centric. It's not plotty. It's really a, – it's a great crime film. Really, really good. Uh, made in 1947 – uh, and based on true events uh, about a, the gunning down of a priest and and everything that transpires in the as a result, uh, really just uh, such a good movie, great cast. Uh, Lee J. Cobb is unbelievable in this movie. You got to see it. Uh, that boomerang, one of the just all time greats. Lee J. Cobb, by the way, yeah,
1: as an actor, very yeah. corny.
0: You think so? Oh, oh, that you, I—that one skipped right over me. Um, another great noir directed by another great director, Otto Preminger, doing Daisy Kenyon, Joan Crawford, Dana Andrews, Henry Fonda—just terrific. You know, by the way, speaking of Henry Fonda, I was—have you seen the uh, the Sidney Lumet uh, documentary yet?
1: No. What is that? This is a Sydney it Lumet called? documentary. It? It came Why? out it
0: came out just a few weeks ago. It did. Yeah. No idea what's it called. Oh my gosh, uh, it's a Sydney Lumet something uh, or uh, something something or <laughs> something. something.
1: <laughs> That's a weird
0: name for a documentary. Yeah, I, I've I can't remember seen the rest that. Of it. I just, I watched it last night. Was it good? Oh, so wait, good. Wait, 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 would you watch
1: you watch the screener or a link?
0: I uh, a link. <gasps> I'll send. Oh yeah, I, shh, 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 I'll send you. Yeah. It's, it was fantastic. It uh, really was.
1: I, you, you, I, I must see that now. It's
0: really good. It's really, really good. It's just, and, and he's interviewed all through it, I mean, extensively. I had no idea. I don't know why I didn't know this. I had no idea Sidney Lumet was a child actor uh, in a Yiddish theater. That's how he began. Did you know that? Uh, it was, it was, I remember it being mentioned in his book, Making Movies, which you know, I've read. I, 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 I remember reading the book, but for some reason that didn't stick. He was a child actor in Yiddish theater. That's, that's great. Wait, wait, wait. Love You're that. saying Lament was Jewish? Yeah, right? Wow. Uh, so anyway, Otto Preminger, uh, directing Joan Crawford, Dana Andrews, and Henry Fonda in, in, in Daisy Kenyon. What a great noir name that is. Uh, fantastic love triangle in this one, and uh, just so fascinating and intriguing. Henry Fonda is particularly good. Um, Foster Hirsch does the audio commentary. And uh, there's a documentary uh, on Otto Preminger uh, that is really interesting and uh, featurette as well. So that is a great Blu-ray. Daisy Canyon, got to get that. And then Robert Seadmach, another great director of the day, directs our last noir of this sequence, uh, which is Cry of the City, starring Victor Mature and Richard Conte. Uh, Shelley Winters also shows up in this uh, you know Victor Mature a real cheesy actor this is not top tier by any means but um, it's fun you know it's uh, one of those uh, childhood friends who one goes good one goes wrong it's one of those deals and uh, it, it takes a few interesting twists that a lot of these things don't usually take so it's a little fresher than most uh, made in 1948 right in the middle of this era really uh, very, very entertaining not top tier but still very entertaining all right, Mike. Um, we've got uh, we got a, a new line from Shout Factory over there, the uh, the Shout Select line. What what is Shout, Shout is now doing their own classic line, like everybody else seems to. And
1: you what? know what? They started with two good ones. Um, I was a huge fan of Nighthawks when it came out, the uh, Bruce Malmuth film. It uh, stars Sylvester Stallone. And uh, Rutger Hauer, and of course, Lindsay Wagner, and because it was uh, a big deal at the time, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. because we're talking 1981, a couple of years after Star Trek, the motion picture, it stars a very hairy, at least comparatively, versus Kambada. Oh, yeah. I love this film. The, it's This film, to me, was so riveting that even the very strange thing that happens at the end— like the way that the bad guy—I'm being very vague here—the way the bad guy is ultimately dispatched, I—I I, I sure. was so riveted in this film that I didn't even care how ridiculous it was. Um, but Stallone looks just his '80s best, and so Rucker Harrow plays a terrorist. He's coming from Europe. He's gonna—he's in Manhattan, and so um, Stallone and Billy Dee Williams have to stop him. And I just thought this film was great. Nighthawks, good film, definitely very tense. Good stuff. There's that, and also Death of a Salesman, this is a gr- – I remember when this version of Death of a Salesman came out in the mid-'80s, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was on PBS, as I remember it, and um, it's great. It's Dustin Hoffman and John Malkovich, and Dustin Hoffman is just – Yeah, it, Dustin Hoffman, he didn't – What was interesting about Hoffman's performance is that he does not really come across as the ultimate Willie Loman, only because in my mind, Willie Loman was always this great big man brought low right and of course Dustin sure. Hoffman's not a great big man to be brought low he's just like this mousy guy but he's just so Dustin effing Hoffman that I just think he's great Volker Schlondorf directed this and it's just a total winner Death of a Salesman great stuff there's a um, there's a there's a couple of um, extras on here which I guess are fine but uh, really you should definitely rent this because this is probably the best Death of a Salesman definitely on film as far as I'm concerned and one of the better ones you'll even see on Broadway in terms of revivals. So I would definitely check out uh, from 1985, Death of a Salesman, from Shout Select. Two good, uh, two good releases to launch good that puppy.
0: So we have a fascinatingly bizarre phenomenon going on in anime. Um, we've gotten a bunch of anime lately. I kid you not, Mark. This, this stack right here. See this? See this stack? No. It's all the same. What? I kid you not. I it's Going through this, I, I, I'm i like, okay, so this is about a bunch of uh, – this is basically about a bunch of big, cute, wide-eyed girls. Okay, it's kind of like a little mini sorority school girl adventure movie. Okay, and this is uh, a series about little uh, wide-eyed girls and having their little adventure with the girls. This is a girl's adventure. This is a gr- – it's like every one of these is about a pack of girls having an adventure. Every single freaking one of them. Aww. Every one. It's, it's insane. These are like little, it's a trend. It's crazy. All kind of coinciding it, it, at the same time. It's
1: crazy. It's crazy.
0: No, uh, no, Biori, uh, repeat, 12 episodes from Sente. That's the first, I'm going to go right through these because it's all basically the same stuff. Wish Upon the Pleiades, complete collection. Adorable! Look at that little look at that little blue critter thing. <laughs> Which one? The Pleiades complete collection. This is crazy. They're all absolutely the same. Uh, Hello, Kinmosa, uh, Kinaro mosaic complete collection. This is season two. And then my teen romantic comedy SNAFU two T O O exclamation point. Um, this is uh, thirteen episodes complete collection. This is more the traditional schoolgirl deal, right? This is uh, you know they wear the uniforms and. Uh, And it's a little bit uh, uh, It's a little bit uh, A little bit more um, Sex in the City Right? A little more teenage A little more grown up Whatever you say, Wade. Yeah. This is your world. Uh, to love, well, it's not my world, but I I, I immerse no, no, myself no. in it's it. No, It's your world. Season four of uh, To Love Rue Darkness Twenty Complete Collection. Uh, I love the hair there. It's a little punk hairstyles. Same deal. A little uh-huh. bit more risque. Uh-huh. They wear they were underwear and you know uh-huh. bathing suits and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, Chika, the Coffin Princess, Avenging Battle. This is a fantasy thing, okay? So this is more like they've got swords and magic and they're fighting an evil. Uh, Evil Beast Sorcerer guy. Really good animation, by the way. This is uh, really, really top-tier animation. Ten episodes plus OVA. That's that stuff that you get on disc that's not on television. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a really good animation. Chaika, C-H-A-I-K-A, The Coffin Princess, Avenging Battle. Actually, really, really good. Fun to look at. Uh, On DVD, not on Blu-ray, is uh, Clamp School Detectives. Yes, they are detectives. And uh, aren't they wild and crazy? And boy, it gets uh, completely unhinged. But they're detectives. Uh, Rinne, R-I-N-N-E. Episodes fourteen through twenty-five, volume two. This is based on a book. Um, doesn't make it any more accessible. It's uh, it's still strange and bizarre and 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 feudal and uh, based in. Some kind of bizarre Japanese school world. Anyway, World Break. Uh, uh, Area of Curse for a Holy Swordsman. This is a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. Uh, this is actually kind of fun to look at. doesn't make any sense. But I want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing. Uh, and this is, you know, like, hey, not your these teenagers really, really know how to mix it up. I just want to say one thing. Look at that cleavage. Nothing like anime cleavage, right? It's true. That's all it is. All I, I,
1: I've been to Japan. Let me tell you something. Those yeah. people are twisted. Yeah. They seem quiet, but they are twisted
0: people. Yeah, well, anyway. Okay. Uh, so moving real quickly through the, uh, some of these. Let's see. We also have uh, Sakura Trick. Uh, complete collection, 12 episodes uh the labyrinth of Grisaya on d v d and on blu ray uh this is ten episodes on this is this is actually one of the cuter things of these um and then uh high school high school d and d you watch this
1: oh yeah Ooh. you watch
0: this all the time right high school d and d so yeah it's uh this is more you know cute girls in uniforms and uh you know, fantasy and all the rest of that stuff. It's just, it, it's the same. It's all the same, Mark. It's all the same. It's all the same. And yet you love them all. It's all the same. No, it's amazing when you start watching it. You just, you just go. It's all the same. It's really going in the same territory. There's schoolgirls. There's a, there's a beast. There's a magic. They gotta be. They, they gotta have an adventure. They got magic. It's on and on. It's like it's a really. It's a strange theme. I've got to email Charles Solomon and uh, and get him to explain some of this to me. I just don't get it. Um. Mark, we have a Vox box. <gasps> really? Yes, we do. We haven't had a Vox box in I months. Know. I know. Well, we we got some of the we got some of these before, and then you got sick, and then there were things happening, and uh, so now we're back on track. Okay.
1: So can I can I do the thing?
0: Go ahead, do it.
1: It's
0: Vox box. Hey, Mark and Wade. This is Jason Levy. Uh, the Intro from episode 35, that's the uh, Alan Smithy intro, got me thinking, if there were any Alan Smithy films either of you have seen that one of you, either of you has liked and thought that the director of that film did not need to take the name Alan Smithy for the film they thought was so bad, uh, let me know, bye. I will start this off, absolutely, uh, my pick is the one that's actually produced by Alan Smithy, which is a Student Bodies, which is a... Uh, a very very funny. It was the original before Scream, before any of that stuff. That was the original slasher film spoof uh, that, that in the 80s. It just mocked all of the uh, the the whole Halloween and Friday the 13th thing. And I just think it's hysterical. It's silly. It's stupid. But I think I thought it was really a very clever and very very funny uh, satire. And uh, you know when the when he's uh, running down the the the, the lo- through the, the hallways of the school. Why do I always pick joggers? Why do I always wear galoshes? It's funny stuff. It really uh, it dissected it very nicely. And that's actually out finally on uh, on DVD, and that's available and was never available before. Student Bodies is my Alan Smithy pick for a film that uh, nobody should have taken an Alan Smithy on. That's a, a perfectly legitimate, not a great film, but perfectly legitimate uh, film to take a credit on. Uh, Mark, are there any that you think? No. No? <laughs> they all, they're they all, all terrible. Saw, they're all terrible. If right. they
1: were any good, he, the, the, the director wouldn't want his name taken off it. Yeah. I mean, really, it's like, if, you, if you look at the Alan Smithy films, they're all just terrible. And there's a reason. Yeah, well. I mean, okay. I know it seems like a lame answer, but the fact is, I'm looking at the credits, I'm like, uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe I can make room for that in my life. No, nah, maybe not. All right. Now, what's interesting is the directors who have asked for Alan Smithy to be their official credit. It's a kind of a who's who.
0: Yeah, who are they?
1: Uh, Steve. <laughs> no.
0: I mean, I know there are there are a handful of uh, named directors, but I've never I've never actually gone down the list. It's not commonly publicized.
1: It is not. But nowadays, you know, with the um, with the internet and whatnot, you can find out uh, what's going on.
0: I believe. Michael Ritchie took a took an Alan Smithy on a film at some point. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I, think.
1: I mean who else would direct the birds to? Who else would direct the who else would want credit? Who would want who would even want to do the birds to? It's like <laughs> like why do it and then take your name off it? It's, it's,
0: yeah. just, just don't even do it. It's ridiculous. All right, and then uh, we're going to wrap the show out this week. Although, you know what? Yes.
1: I guess American History X, right? Did American History X get an Alan Smithy?
0: No, 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 no. Okay. We, he, what's his face? Uh, Tony K. He took the credit for that. Oh, he did take the credit. Yeah, yeah he did. He just took forever making it. Exactly. But, uh, you yeah, know, he, he, he did that. Uh, got, a, got some documentaries to wrap out with this week. Uh, Lucha Mexico or Lucha Mexico. This is a documentary about uh, Lucha Libre which we should all know from Nacho Libre is the, you know, masked Mexican wrestling. Uh, look, not my scene. I'm not really a wrestling guy, but I got to tell you, it's a very, very funny and fascinating and weird and interesting world. And uh, boy, this does a really good job of just plunging you in head first. Uh Really quite a fun doc. Uh, deep Web. I don't know how much of this is straight up paranoia. Are you? Are, have you followed any of this Deep Web stuff? Alex Winter, totally legit documentarian, made a lot of great films, did this. Um, so I have to give it some credibility. But the the... This all gets into the uh, the arrest of uh, Ross William Ulbricht, who is the guy who was, um, created that online black market known as Silk Road. Do you remember when that whole thing blew up? Yeah, yeah. And uh, th- this gets into that whole thing, and it, uh, it it kind of touches on all of these things that happen in the dark web, right? It's like that that underworld. That mirror world of the internet where other things go on and it's unregulated and completely unmonitored and nobody really knows how to get into it. And once you're into it, it's like this other internet world of hackers and and black marketeers and everything. It's It's very scary that that even exists. And it makes sense that it would exist, but I don't know how much of this is sort of stoking paranoia. Uh, that being said, it's very, very good. Alex Winter, rock-solid filmmaker, very, very good. Um, and there's additional material in here that gets into things like Bitcoin and, uh, you know, whatnot. Um, commentary as well. And then um, 50 Years of Star Trek is uh, the most fascinating documentary uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek because you know who is not in this?
1: Uh, Shatner.
0: That's right. There's no Shat.
1: Because they probably didn't. Uh, they probably didn't back up the uh, back up the truck
0: It's, form. Just, it's but still you do a documentary celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek that has Whoopi Goldberg in it, but there's no Shatner. It's no point. Uh, it's just it's it's well, kinda...
1: they, well, but Shatner he's directed his own Star yeah. Trek documentary, so why would he put his name on this? I don't know.
0: It's fluff. This is basically fluff. It's it's what it is. I mean, it's very fluffy. It's 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 nice. It's sweet, but it's fluffy. It's very very fluffy. And uh, let's see. And then last one here. Um, among the Believers is a first-run features documentary that uh, looks at the education system in Pakistan, specifically how it uh, oftentimes radicalizes through madrasas, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, it specifically looks at the cleric Abdulaziz Ghazi, who is one of these crazy Taliban-esque fanatics, and what he has wrought in, uh, in Pakistan. And it is very disturbing and very upsetting, and um, is worth seeing. Not if you you know want to feel better about the world, but it is it is definitely worth checking out. And so, with that, Mark, we are done this week. Uh, next week, big holiday show. Well, you going to give me a holiday? Blue-ray I'm going to. You're going to give me one. I'm going to give you something. I'll give you something. It'll be the
1: lamest. It'll be like the facts of life or something. It'll be a
0: thing. (laughs) We haven't we haven't even received everything yet. We still got a lot of stuff. uh, Hopefully, it gets here in time. Otherwise, that's what the cleanup shows are for. So, all right, we'll see everybody next week.